Pastor Bobby, where are you? Up oh, there you are. Hello. What are we doing tonight, Bobby? This is a great gathering, a crowd of young and old here. Bobby, what do you have going on tonight? I need to know. You know what? Thank you for the lead-in. I feel like I should have a humorous joke, but yeah. I don't have one. Okay, let's right. go then. But um, thank you, everybody, for joining with us. And it sounds like you're very interested in to see what we'll be doing tonight. But most importantly tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss, celebrate, and discuss the greatest gift of all, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. It is amazing that over 2,000 years ago, that the author of the planets, the moon, the stars, and the galaxies, and even the two trillion cells that are in your body, that the author of all those things 2,000 years ago became flesh. Can we say amen? And the amazing thing is this, that he became flesh so that he could die. The Gospel of John tells us that God is spirit. And can you nail the Spirit of God to a cross? No, you cannot. So God became flesh so that he could die, so that you and I could have the forgiveness of sins. And so tonight's service is very unique because tonight's service, as we celebrate the greatest gift of all, which is Jesus Christ, we're going to do it in a very interactive way. So as you look across the room, you'll see that your tables are covered in paper. So if you have kids, guess what we want you to do tonight? Draw with your kids at your table. But you'll also notice that across this room tonight, there are gifts. Specifically, there are 10 different gifts across the room this evening. Please do not open them right now. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to test your holy resolve not to open the present right in front of you. All right? But within each present, there are a couple things. One thing that's inside each present is a card. And within that card is a specific characteristic that highlights the greatest gift of all, which is Jesus. And also underneath that characteristic is a Bible verse that highlights that specific characteristic. And then once we're done reading that verse, discussing that verse, within that bag is a present. And that specific present will highlight the characteristic that we just talked about. And whoever opens that present, guess what? Gets to keep it. So really what we want to do tonight, families, is get us used to doing family worship together as a family. Because this room right here isn't just for adults. It's for seniors. It's for young people. It's for families to worship our Creator. Pastor Scott, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. You know, one of the things what we want to continue to help parents do is integrate your children into services. And this is a great opportunity. We're using cookies and milk to do that, which is a little bit helpful. Um, and, and by the way, Bobby, the, if you're not a child, you can color on the table. Yes. So I want to make sure that's true. And adults are also allowed to eat cookies. I was yeah. told to say that. So. Yeah. So moms and dads, this is a good time to introduce your children into worship. Maybe they're at, they're at Sunday school or BFG all the time or children's church. The goal is to bring your children into service. One of the problems with America's church today is many of the children that come to be adults have never been in church. And then they struggle to understand and struggle to be a part of that. So we want to encourage you. This is a good ways to bring your children into church and teach them to take notes and write things down. So one of the things that Pastor Bobby has done is he's covered your table. Some of the things we're talking about, some of these gifts, write them down. Draw pictures of them. It's a great idea. We used to tell our kids, Gina would tell the boys, Hey, mark how many times 
dad says Christ or Jesus. I was always trying to get in that triple digits with them. Uh, you know, if I'm a good Christ-centered preacher, my boys should have a lot of marks that dad talked about Christ often that. So just ways to integrate your children and to be part of this. So as they get older, they desire to be in worship with you. They hear the word of God. So that's part of, part of the reason we're doing this. Are we ready for me to start the first gift? Well, I, I just wanted to add one more thing before you get into the first yeah. gift. Is with the crayons and the table, what we're trying to do also is give you ideas on how to engage your kid in the service. So what we do with our particular family, if we have younger children who are five, six, or seven, if we're going through the Gospel of Mark, I'll ask my kids to draw what they're hearing. And that's a way to keep them engaged, keep them learning. And also for our older kids, I ask them to do something like write down seven things. Seven's the perfect number, right? <laughs> write down specifically seven things that you learned from the service today. And so as we engage our kids, we want to give them things to do while they're in the service. So if you're a parent looking for ways to keep your kids engaged, it's okay if they draw in class or in the service, but encourage them to draw about what they're hearing or write down things about what they're hearing. It's okay for them. Everyone has a different learning style. So we want to encourage them to be here. But I think we are ready for our first gift. Pastor That's Scott. good. Hey, adults, we're going to test you and see if you can remember the seven, at least seven out of ten of the gifts tonight before you leave. So let's see how you do, okay? All right. Hey, I think my gift table's right here, a table full of children. But they're all girls except one. So guess who gets to open it? All right. Slide that gift over there, and uh, you open that gift and tell me what is in there. We're thinking about gifts. Jesus Christ is the greatest gift. But what are, what are things about the story of Christ in his life that tell us uh, of gift of him? So what does that say on there? What's that big word on the top of there? Angels. Well, what would Christmas be like without angels? What verse does it say there? Just tell me the reference. Luke chapter 2, 9 through 14. Let me read that. You know this. This happened on a very dark night. 2,000 years ago, and the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which it will be for all people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you, and you will find a babe wrapped in claws and lying in a manger, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. So you're first drawing something about an angel. So start drawing, adults, you can draw too, something along that line. But let's think about this. How are angels a gift from God? How would that be? Well, one, they, they're the first of the announcement, right? God has not spoken in a long time. Think about that. And now he sends angels to announce. But let me, let me go one step further, Bobby. The gift of angels. You know what Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says? It says that they are ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. So we look at the angels, especially at Christmas time. But they're also there to minister to us. Do you know you have a ministering angel? My mom said I wore my out as a young boy. <laughs> he probably had to get a couple others to come in and sub for him. But God gives us angels that care for us, the Bible says. They minister to us. What a gift from God. What do you got, Bobby? Number two. Number two. 
is number one, one of the characteristics that highlights the greatest gift of all is angels. Did angels pronounce your birth? Did they pronounce or announce Jesus' birth? Yes, making Jesus very unique and distinct. I'm over here at this table, also with a lot of girls. Girls, can you give a shout out to the audience? All right. And so we have a gift over here. There's a card in here. Can you take out the card specifically? Ah, do you know what that word says? Yeah. Ah, she said adoption. So one of the greatest, well, what makes Jesus, can you hear me in the back over there? What makes Jesus one of the greatest gifts is that through faith in Christ, we are adopted into his family. Isn't that a good thought? And there's a specific verse that highlights that gift of Christ in adoption. And that specifically is in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. What, what book is it in? Chapter what? Verses 6 through 7. All right, so let's read that together. Galatians chapter 4. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba. Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So if we could think or stop for a moment, what could I possibly draw that would illustrate adoption? Draw something on your paper, perhaps with your kids. What could you think of? What could you draw? What could you visualize that would illustrate adoption? As you're drawing, I just want to highlight a couple of things. That why adoption is so special, I want to give you three reasons. Number one is through adoption, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, through adoption, through faith in Christ, we have a new identity. Before faith in Christ, everyone in this room was a child of wrath. And through faith in Christ, we become a child of the Most High. So that is one of the cool things about adoption is that we are no longer children of wrath, but we are children of God. Number two, what makes, us, what makes adoption so special and why the greatest gift of all is Jesus is that through faith in Christ, we get to have an intimate relationship with God. Did you see in that verse how it says we get to cry out, Abba, Father. We get to cry out, Daddy. So if you're a person in this room, we serve a holy, righteous God, but we get to call him Daddy. We get to have an intimate relationship with him. But lastly, one of the reasons why adoption is so special is that, did you see in this verse, is that we become heirs. And if we become heirs, that means when we go to heaven, what will we receive? An inheritance. An eternal inheritance that will never perish, that will never fade away. We will inherit salvation. So, let's look at this gift and see what we can see that illustrates adoption. What do you have in there? Can you open it up? Ah, look at this. Money. Gold coins. Because when your parents die, Lord willing, what will you receive? Money. When we go to heaven and we get to see our Father in heaven, guess what? 
He's going to give us a great inheritance. And guess what? The girls at this table, Pastor Scott, guess what they're getting tonight? Gold coins. Gold coins. They're getting some money. So again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one of the reasons why Jesus is the greatest gift of all is that through faith in Christ, we get to be adopted into his family. And once in his family, ladies and gentlemen, guess what? You're in forever. It's like the mafia. Once you're in, you're always in. And no matter what you do, no matter what sin that you participate in, once you firmly place your faith in Christ, you're always in the family. So we should rejoice in that at Christmas. Pastor Scott, you got another gift over there? Bobby, I'm over here at table three. There you go, sir. I need someone to open this gift. Who would like to do it? <gasps> okay, only one raised their hand quickly. Okay, open it up. We're, the adoption's a great gift. We got a good one over here too, Bobby. So let's open that up and see what is in there. What is in there? What is that? It looks like something fuzzy and white. There's a card in there too somewhere, I hope. Dad, what does that card say on there? Forgiveness. Isaiah 119 says this. I have a mic on, so let me read it. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. What a beautiful gift from God. Forgiveness. I mean, think about that. I love adoption. We could go all night on that. You almost did down there, Bobby. But uh. um, let's talk about forgiveness for a minute. Uh, what an amazing gift from God. You're forgiven, people. Amen. Have you taught your children that? Do, do we, and then let's talk about a little practical. If this gift is from God of forgiveness and we are white as wool, like it's being covered up over warmth over here, how, how does that work out in our daily lives? What do we do with forgiveness? We forgive. Thank you, John. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ forgave you. So this is another gift that keeps giving. What a gift it is to forgive one another. So what would you draw for forgiveness? Anybody got an idea that you would draw for forgiveness? Think about the illustration that was given over here. Maybe a lamb? Could you draw a lamb? Could you draw a snowy mountain, something white, something cleansed? Um, these are hard things to kind of think about what to draw, but wow, we're forgiven. And so as we thought about this, especially our children's ministry people, they said, well, let's use white wool for forgiveness because there was one last lamb who forgave us of our sins. Amen? All right, Bobby, that's table three. Where are you at now? Actually, we're going to go back and talk about adoption some more. Is that okay? Yeah, you're done. Move on. Okay. Just kidding. I like that <laughs> illustration. Um, we're over here with the Merginer family. Everyone's all smiles over here eating cookies and Chick-fil-A. Where'd you get that? He's not, he's in the mafia. He's not giving his sources. He's not a stool pigeon over here. But we have another present over here. Can someone open up and look for the white card in here? Molly, why don't you go ahead and grab something out of here, sweetheart? Look for the white card. Pastor Scott's timing me, so come on. All right. What does that say? Her verse, or her card specifically says, the deity of Christ. Good luck drawing that. 
Yeah, that's a great gift. Yeah, so specifically one of the gifts, why, what makes Jesus so special, and perhaps he is the greatest gift of all, but his deity makes him special. And specifically, if you look at John chapter 8, verse 58, this verse highlights for you and for me that Jesus truly is God. This is what John 8, 58 says. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was born, I am. So if you could draw something that would illustrate the deity of Christ, what would you draw in light of that verse? Any any suggestions over here? A crown. They're saying a crown. I heard a crown over here, Bobby. A crown? Yeah. Okay. I hear a triangle. I I don't know what that means. Trinity. Trinity. Okay. We got spiritual people over here. Any suggestions? But listen, in this specific verse, what did Jesus call himself? The I am, correct? So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, do you remember the story of Moses? Specifically in Exodus chapter 3, when when Moses went up to the mountain of God, what did he encounter? And the crowd said? Burning bush. And the crowd said? burning bush. And as God was talking or communicating to Moses through this burning bush, Moses asked, what should I call you? What is your name? What should I tell the people your name? And then what did God say in response? I am or Yahweh. I am the I am. And so when we see Jesus in John 8:58 call himself the I am, what is he doing? He's calling himself God. So much so that the Pharisees picked up rocks to throw them at him. So listen, Jesus is the greatest gift of all because through faith in him, we are adopted into his family. But Jesus is the greatest gift of all because he is God. So hey, Molly, could you open your present to show us what gift would illustrate this characteristic? Oh, this is awesome. Let me see. I think your mom might like this. We'll see. Guess what it is? It's a burning bush. I'm going to say it one more time, but I expect immense laughter. Guess what it is? A burning bush. We're learning to lie really good over here. What are you doing over there? Are you ready for me? Yeah, I'm ready for you. You were quicker that time. Okay. I'm at table five, Bobby. And that was really good, but we, I think, have a really special gift from God over here as well. So, Mom and Dad, I'm going to ask you to help with this one here. Why don't we pull out there and just pull the card out. Don't pull out the present yet. Let's grab the card. It should be in the bottom there. And let's let's see what this next gift is, what we would call this gift. This is a gift that we all are going to enjoy. Can you get to it? It's on the bottom probably. What does it say, Dad? Love. Love. What a gift. Isn't love a wonderful gift? My wife loves me. I am very gifted. But my God loves me. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, so love drove his gift. Isn't that true? That he gave his only begotten son. So love drove God to give us his son. Love is an amazing gift. Now, what, how, it, what's in there? Let's, let's pull out what's in there and see what we can illustrate this with. What is that? 
Pull it out of there. What is that? Does it squeeze? Hold it up high. It's a squishy heart. <laughs> she loved it. It's a squishy heart. It's not, Bobby, you know what it isn't? It isn't a heart of stone. No. It's not a rock. It's a squishy heart. It's a heart. And the Bible tells us in the Old Testament and in the book of Hebrews that when he saves us, he takes out a heart of stone which cannot love, cannot receive love or give love. And he gives us a heart of flesh, a heart that beats, that loves, returns love to God. And who loved us first? He loved us first, 1 John chapter 4 tells us. So what a great gift. And we can keep passing that on, right? That's why we're here tonight. Not only because we love God, but we love each other. We're a family. We're the family of God that meets at Riverbend Community Church. We love one another. In fact, Jesus said, they'll know us by our love. What a great gift this is. This thing just keeps giving and giving and giving. So table five, love. Try to beat that one, Bobby. All right. We have, I think, the most kids at this table. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, including parents seven. Seven kids over here. But they're all doing really well. They're engaged. They're drawing. They're learning about the lesson. So that's a great sight to see. So can someone open this present for me? Would you mind grabbing the card in there, sweetheart? Oh, I got you right here. Okay, we got it. It was hidden in there. So again, tonight we're talking about the greatest gift of all, Jesus, and different characteristics that highlight why he's so great. And this card specifically tells us Savior. One of the reasons why Jesus is so great is he's our Savior. And here's a verse. This is 1 John 1.29, and this is what the verse says. The next day, John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is Savior. In light of this verse, what would illustrate or what could you draw that would illustrate the reality that Jesus is Savior? Anyone? A cross? Youth pastor says cross. Let me read the verse one more time, and maybe we'll get some more interaction. It says, this is what John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. So if I were to draw something that would illustrate Jesus as Savior, what would I possibly draw? A lamb. All right, a smart group. Specifically, the Lamb of God. And for Jewish people, again, when they hear this expression from John the Baptist talking about the Lamb of God, what would they think of? the Passover lamb. And remember, as the Egyptians, before they, or the Israelites, before they fled Egypt, the 10th plague was what? The death angel. And in order to be protected, your firstborn and your livestock from the death angel, you needed the blood of the lamb to cover your doorpost. And listen, I want to highlight two parallels that link the Passover lamb to Jesus. One of the links or the parallels between these two illustrations is both provided protection from death. The Passover lamb provided temporary protection from death. Jesus provides eternal protection from death. 
also the Passover lamb had to be perfect. Was Jesus perfect? Yes. So one of the characteristics that makes Jesus the greatest gift of all at Christmas is the reality that he's our Savior. So what do you think this present's going to be, Pastor Scott? Uh, uh, boy, I can't wait. I'm on pins and needles. Yeah, the anticipation. It's a lamb. Oh, nice. And you get to keep it. You want it, sweetheart? There you go. She seems pretty excited about it. All right, you got another gift for yeah, us over I'm there? I'm over here at table. What a table am I, seven? You can open it for sure, Zero. but you got to get the card out first, okay? There's a card in there first. See it right there? Pull that out. Can you read that, what that says on the top, that big word right there? Keep going. You got it. can help you out if you want. Judge. Judge. How'd that one get in there? Whoa, wait a minute here, Bobby. We got a unique gift over here. We've been talking about love and adoption and, and forgiveness and all that. We just got judge. How is that a gift? What would you draw for judge? Yeah, uh, somebody maybe with, well, let's pull out what's in there. Let's, let's see what's in there and see if this will help us a little bit. What is that thing? Pull it out. There it is. It's a gavel. And anybody trying to figure out why this is a gift? Let's think about this. Is Jesus Christ going to be the judge of the world? Will that be a gift to us as believers? Listen to this verse. The Bible says this. When the Son of Man comes in Matthew 25, 31, in all his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will gather before him, and he will separate people as one separates, as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats, and he will put sheep on his right and goats on his left. Why is this a gift? Because a lot of times we suffer through things and we don't know how things are going to come out. We can trust God that he is going to take care of everything in the end. And guess what Jesus is as a gift? He's a perfect judge. I've seen judges make mistakes. We have some bad mistakes going on in our nation right now, some of the decisions they're making. Jesus will make every decision perfect. That is a great gift for us as believers. You know, Peter talked about this. He said, as he talked about the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ, because Jesus suffered unjustly, didn't he? But 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 23, chapter 2, verse 23 says that Jesus entrusted himself to the one who judges righteously. What a gift we have in Jesus Christ. You know what that means? That means that we don't have to go around and fix everything. We can let the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who will separate the sheep and the goats, bring judgment upon the righteous and the wicked. We can let him do that. What a great gift that is. And this is a gavel to kind of remind it. One day he's going to rule with an iron rod, the Bible says. He will take care of all sin. And that's, I think, to a believer, that is a great gift. little unusual. Did you see that one coming? Yeah, I thought that was good. So uh, do your drawings. Hey, Bobby, I'm done. What do you got? Okay, we're over here with the Johnson family and the Johnson family. Johnson and Johnson. So we have a present over here. Could you open the card out of here, um, Jocelyn, please? All right, what does that say, young lady? 
peace. Mind if I have that? Thank you. This particular gift over here is peace. And I think we'd all agree that a great gift that we have through our Lord and Savior is peace with the Father through faith in Christ. But let's look at a verse real quick that emphasizes the peace that we have as believers. And I'm sure at Christmas, a lot of you are familiar with this verse. This is from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. From where? Chapter verse. All right, thank you. All right, this is what the verse says. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. But why is Jesus called the Prince of Peace? I think the Bible tells us very clearly in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, why Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And this is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read that one more time. Therefore, having, having been justified by faith, we have peace. So you and I as sinners... Prior to coming to faith with God, we were enemies of God. But through faith in Christ, we are now not guilty. We are justified. Our sins were put upon Christ, and in return, we get his righteousness. And so since we have the righteousness of Christ through faith in Christ, we now have peace with God, eternal peace. But not only do we have peace with God eternally, but right now here on earth, we have peace in our circumstances. Check out what Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says. This is really good, specifically if you're anxious about buying Christmas presents, if you're anxious about what to buy your kid, if you're anxious to make it to the 10th party, if you're anxious about eating too many cookies or your kids eating too many cookies, remember this, we can have the peace of God no matter what your circumstances are in life today. Check out Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, listen, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the peace of God, will guard us in our circumstances. But ladies and gentlemen, I think it's very important as we understand the peace that we have with God and one another through faith in Christ, that we know how to apply that to your lives. So day to day, even when I sin as a believer, I should rest in the reality that I have peace with God. I should not fret. I should not be anxious even when I mess up because I'm securely in Christ and have peace with God. But secondly, as followers of Jesus, we ought to be peacemakers. Think about that over Christmas. A lot of us in this room are going to be talking to Uncle Joe or Uncle Steve, who we don't like to hang out with. But as a Christian, what am I called to be? A peacemaker. Therefore, I am going to pursue peace. And listen, one of the things we can do to pursue peace with other people is first and foremost take the initiative to pray. 
as you're dealing with that difficult relative or friend, that you would pray that God would be glorified in your conversation with that person. Number two, with that person that I'm potentially in conflict with over Christmas, I take the initiative to say sorry. Even if they did 99% of the wrong, I still did 1%. And I can say sorry for my role in a specific conflict. And lastly, I can do everything I can within my power to reconcile. One of the greatest gifts that we have in Christ Jesus is peace with our Father through faith in Christ. And we ought to, in light of that reality, seek peace with other people. Amen? I think I'm starting to preach a little bit, so I'm sorry about that. Amen. But you got another gift over there in the back? Yeah, you went a little long. I got oh, wait a second. I'm back here at the, the uh, table eating cookies. But Wait a second. I forgot to open my present. Can we get back to that? Yeah, okay. Go ahead. All right, I forgot to open my present. Back here. Jocelyn, keep eating that cookie. Oh, can you stand up? All right, she has something, and I really like her present. Oh, she's got two of them. Everyone at our, at our table, grab, grab one of these. And let's be air traffic control a little bit. You know what that means? Take one in each hand. There we go. Oh, we're going to do this, I swear. Now wave them. White flags. And what do white flags represent? Peace. So you get to take those home with you, and that can be the final lap of the next race. Pastor Scott, you got another present over there? I'm on my third cookie over here, Bobby. You're killing me. All right. <laughs> I'm at table number nine. I'm setting my cookie down. And I got all kinds of boys. This is my Santa over here. All right. Do you want to open this? Go over with your dad. Go over there. Come over there. And let's pull out the card there, Trev. Get those boys around you. Now, I'm looking forward to what you're going to draw for this one. What's the card say? The sinlessness of Christ. All right, give me some hints. What would you draw for the sinlessness of Christ? White snowflakes, I heard. That's good. There's one of a kind, right? There's nothing like it. Anybody else? A white robe. Yes, that would be good. Now, the sinlessness of Christ, think about that gift. If Jesus isn't sinless... We just wasted an hour and a half. I mean, there would be no reason to be here. If Jesus is not sinless, none of us go to heaven. We find ourselves lost. If, if Joseph's DNA is found in Christ, remember we talked about this? If Joseph's DNA is found in Christ, he is not, he is not sinless, impeccable. And yet the Holy Spirit placed him in the womb of Mary apart from Joseph. And so he does not carry that DNA, that sinful depravity of man. He remains sinless in the womb. He remains sinless outside the womb. He remains sinless on the cross. And he remains sinless to this day. And so the sinlessness of Christ is, is huge to us. We have a Savior who, who represents us in heaven, who God accepted him for a perfect sacrifice. What, what a great gift. Now, how did we represent this? Let's open that up and what's in there, because this is really, I know what's in here, and I, don't even know, I wouldn't even know what I would pick. One of the gals did this for us. What is that? So it's clear water. Let's look a little closer, Trev. It says clear water. It changed. It's clear water. It's a, it's a glass of water. <laughs> I thought it was the other thing. but <laughs> um, It is clear as water, and it's pure. It's pure. I remember years ago, Bobby, I was at a ranch called Fall River Valley. 
the headquarters of Fall River, you want to look it up, come off of a ranch, and I, you might have heard me hear this, give this illustration before, but I've been to the headwaters, the pools, much like we have springs in here, there's springs. This is some of the most purest water in the world. It's been gauged that. It's so pure that it looks fake. Uh, when you look at this water coming out, and it's a reminder that Jesus Christ was sinless. He is a sinless Savior. There is no one like him, no one like him, whoever before him or to come. Listen to this great verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He made him who knew no sin. So God planned for Christ, who was the sinless Son of God, to be sin on our behalf. Now, Bobby, that's not fair, is it? I mean, he, he never sinned, and he takes our sin. So this verse teaches us, and you hear me say this often, that God judged him like he committed our sin. God judged Jesus like he committed our sin. And the reason he could do that is because he was sinless, and he would satisfy the Father. But the verse goes on. It says, so that we might become the righteousness of God. And guess what now? And I know we're running out of steam here with some little ones, but we're going to get through this. God now looks at us sinless. Do you, do you understand that? I don't. You, you may say yes, but I, I look at myself and I know I'm a sinner. I act like a sinner at times. But God sees us in his son, that sinless being. He sees us in Christ. 164 times the Apostle Paul says in the epistles, in him, in Christ through him, by him. Check that out. And it says that's where our standing is. So God looks at us in his son. We are sinless in him. And I, I, I stand amazed at that, Bobby. What a gift, the sinlessness of Christ. What a great thing to remember at this time of year. Mm. Bobby, I got all of mine done. You got one more? Yeah, I think we're on track to be the shortest Wednesday night service Hey, ever. hey, hey. I could take that personally. <laughs> I'm going to head back saying. to the cookie bar. You keep going with Tim. Maybe that was someone's Christmas wish. I'm not sure. But um, you did say something very interesting, and I'm going to remember it personally, is that you said, if I heard you correctly, that the Bible and the epistle says we are in Christ. How many times? 164 times. I've counted them. They're all circled in one of my Bibles. That's a great thing to have memorized. We are in Christ, said over 164 times. Oh, that's great. Hey, Colin, can you find the, the, next, um, the next card in your or verse there? There we go. What's that say, young man? Humanity. So the last characteristic that we're going to talk about tonight before we're dismissed is the humanity of Christ. And it's very confusing or it's almost paradoxical where Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. Good job. Fully man. And there's a verse that highlights the reality that Jesus is a man. And that's found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 8. So let's read that together if you have a phone or a Bible. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Who, this is what the verse says, who, although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself by being obedient 
to the point of, and it ends early, death on a cross. This verse is so theologically rich. There is multiple sermons that could be crafted out of this specific verse, but I'm not going to craft that tonight. But in context, Paul was encouraging the Philippian church to serve one another. You and I as believers, what should we do? Serve one another. But then Paul goes on as he's making this argument that we ought to serve one another. He gives an awesome example. He gives the example of Christ. That Christ who existed as the same essential nature as God from eternity past left the perfect place in heaven, came here to die so that we can be forgiven for our sins. What an awesome example of humility, amen? And so Paul is using this illustration of Christ to encourage you, encourage me, to encourage the Philippian church during Christmas, all year long as Christ's followers, we ought to be serious about serving one another. So in light of this verse, you and I, brothers and sisters, little brothers and sisters, we ought to imitate Christ. But know what, another specific thing that makes this such a great gift, Pastor Scott, is this. Ladies and gentlemen, God can relate to us. Why? Because he became a man. So when you're feeling alone, ladies and gentlemen, teenager, if you're feeling alone, like no one likes you, Jesus can relate. He was on the cross alone, naked. When you are hungry in a desert or really hungry as a teenager, want some more food, and you're thinking about sinning, falling into the Esau complex, guess what? Jesus was hungry too, but he overcame temptation perfectly. So we have a high priest, as it says in Hebrews, who's not only our high priest, but a high priest who can relate to us. So in our greatest times of needs, whether they're small or great, guess who we can go to? Christ. So a great gift, Pastor Scott, brothers and sisters, is the reality that Jesus became man. His humanity is a great gift to us all. Amen? Amen. So um, let's look at the specific gift that illustrates the reality that Jesus, uh, a man, a man that you can play with. You can re-gift it to your brother. How about that? Okay. Well, hey, that concludes our service. Did you want to add anything, Pastor Scott? Absolutely. Here, just as we're in closing, dads, let me speak to you first and hear grandfathers. Um, this, I hope you just learned maybe something you can do with your children or your grandchildren. As, uh, so as Christmas morning or Christmas Eve comes along, take a few moments. This was a simple exercise. Bob and I sat down. We said, hey, let's think of 10 gifts. And, and could you do this with your children? Hey, what's a great gift God has given us? And, and have some conversation. We're, we're trying to illustrate to you ways that you can uh, lead your family. Single moms, we know there's single moms in here. And, and um, we hurt for you and we pray for you and we care for you. But lead your family as well. Those great conversations around there uh, about how the Father does not abandon you. He gave you the gift of the Son these are conversations, and what we try to do is do a little illustration for you to help, help you realize you can lead your families. And grandparents, you have a tremendous influence on your grandkids. They love you because you bring them presents. No, they love you because you're grandparents. And so take advantage of that. Climb them up on your laps. Your, your children may be pagans. 
But that didn't stop you from saying to those children the great gift of the gospel and these things. So these are a great illustration, great time to be around the table and talk. What we want you to do here before I close in prayer, Bobby, you have one more you want to add? I just want to add one more thing. And I know we said it was the shortest service on a Wednesday. But yeah, you're pushing it now, pal. I just want to illustrate something that was very impactful to me. Uh, many of you in this room know that God didn't save me until later in life. And so I didn't see men worshiping at all. And so when God saved me, I started going to church and I saw a man worship. And so fathers, moms, there's great value in your kids coming here and seeing other men worship God. That you can be a man that works with your hands and also have a heart towards Christ. Listen, David chopped off the heads of giants. He was a manly man, but he also worshiped God with all of his heart. So men, as we bring our kids to church, we want to emulate for them that it's okay to love Christ with everything. And the best example that your child has, your daughter has, is you pointing them towards Christ by singing songs to our great Heavenly Father. When I saw for the very first time a man crying as he worshiped, I was blown away. And I pray for many of the dads in this room that you could be that example for your child, for your son or daughter who has a tender heart towards other people and towards God. It's so important. But also I'll say this and we can pray and you can pray for us. Is as you're preparing to bring your kids to church, your family to church, it's so good to plan. I don't know how many times in my life I just showed up with my four or five kids and our plan was figured out right here. Guess what happened? Chaos, right? Can you relate to that? So Heather and I, we did something. We started formulating a plan that we can succeed with having kids at church where they can pay attention and learn and see their mom and dad worship that we're serious about King Jesus. So hopefully these ideas and talking through some of these things together is helpful. But more, often, more than anything, as you leave tonight, we want you to remember that Jesus is the greatest gift of all for more than 10 reasons, for an infinite amount of reasons. So thank you so much for eating cookies with us, for having milk with us, enjoying our cheesy presents. Pastor Scott, can you pray Amen. for us? Amen. So just a real quick, when you leave, grab your stuff. And, and what we want you to do is come around and see some of these tables. Um, I've been giving letter grades around here um, to some. Some have got A's, some have got C's. We won't, we won't mention anybody. Um, uh, but clear your stuff off and then go look at some of the drawings. They're phenomenal. There's one in the middle here you've got to see. So let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the greatest gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and the gifts of love and, and justice, Lord. And and adoption, and forgiveness. Oh, Lord, you've blessed us so much. We are so rich. We, we abound in gifts from you, Lord. May we not forget that as we open gifts that will maybe only last a few minutes or, or a little while here in this life. May we remember gifts that will never go away. For all of eternity, we will be forgiven people. We'll be adopted into the family of God. We'll live and serve with a just God who loves us and cares for us. So thank you for this season. Thank you for Jesus stepping out of heaven, assuming that body in the, in the womb of Mary, living a sinless life, dying for us perfectly, letting us have his righteousness for those who believe. We praise you for these things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.